So we often see that uh, sometimes the life of a saint can be adjusted according to the particular tastes of the time. So uh, when I was younger, uh, the main saint that we would have learned a lot about was Mother Teresa, and she was a, a really kind of a social justice warrior, you know, fighting for the, the, the rights of the poor and that. And while it's true that she did a great deal for the poor, uh, she wasn't, you wouldn't call her really a social justice warrior. I mean, not really, not if you actually knew the woman's life and her prayer life and her love for the Lord. She was a woman of, of profound determination, yes, but all motivated by her love for God. It was love for God that was key in her life. Uh, today, uh, St. Francis is very often spoken about in terms of him being like, you know, one of the first eco-warriors or a tree hugger or, you know, that scene from Shrek where Snow White is uh, walking through the forest and the bird lands at her fingers, da da da, la da da, and then the bird, you know, whistles and she whistles in return and all that kind of thing. That's kind of how St. Francis is often understood in these days. Basically, like he's a pansy, just like kind of no backbone, no kind of manliness about him at all, just this kind of tree hugging, bird whispering eco warrior, you know, and that's see, that's not him. And the reason that I can say that is because just read his life. Read his life. He was no eco-warrior. Now, he loved nature. But you're anybody who loves God will love nature. If you really love the Lord, I mean, you're, you mean, the beauty of creation reminds you of God. That's the whole point, though. We don't get stuck on creation. We think of the creator. So creation reminded him of God. That's why he loved it so much. Your brother, son, and sister, moon. I mean, everything that God has created just reminds us of him. His providence, his love, everything that we see is a sign of his love, a little spark of, of, Jesus, of God's divine intelligence and design and, and beauty and harmony and balance and all of these things. So we look at the life of St. Francis just briefly. It's, it's a long story. I won't tell it all, obviously. But uh, just the over, overarching theme, I think, in order to understand St. Francis, is he lived a life of total surrender to God. Total surrender to God. Like, that's so much more than he loved nature. He lived a life of total surrender to God. So, when he was born, born into a wealthy family in the early 13th century, and uh, his father was fascinated by France and everything French. This is before French engineering had come out. So, like, Renaults and Peugeots and Citroëns weren't there to disappoint him yet. Um, but at the time, he, like, he loved, his father loved everything fr French. So even though Francis was, was baptised Giovanni, John, uh, his father always called him Frenchy. So Francesco, that's how he got the name. So uh, his, father loved, his, father, his father traded in, in material and clothes used for, uh, uh, material used for the, the clothes of the rich and famous at the time and so on. So anyway, grew up in a life of comfort and partying, really. Uh, he had the, the time and the personality to win him an awful lot of friends. So he was very popular. So even though he wouldn't necessarily have studied much at school, he was so popular he just kind of got through. Even though he would have been really picky about his food, people liked him so much that they'd give him what he asked for. You know, so he, just, he, was, he had a way of kind of winning people over through just being so, so charming. But as with many people who may be somewhat wealthy, uh, they still want to do something useful with their lives. I, I want to still want to make a difference. So the Fourth Crusade 
Uh, so before there was a so Assisi versus Perugia, there was a, there was a, always a lot of infighting there between the two of them. So on one particular occasion, when the men of Assisi assembled to fight Perugia, he joined them, and uh, the Assisians got slaughtered actually, and St. Francis was taken as a prisoner, probably because he probably had better clothes, so they knew he was rich, so they took him to be ransomed. So they single out the, the, the richer folk among the, uh, the soldiers, put them in a dungeon, and then right back to Assisi. We've got Francesco, and we've got this, 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 give us this money, or you won't get them back. So that's what ended up happening. Rather than him coming back with the glory of triumph, he came back emaciated and stinking from being in a dungeon for a year. So no glory there. But re-embraced again the life of excess and partying and so on. Then there was the Fourth Crusade. So he decided, I'm going to make a name for myself. So I'm going to get armour, because all knights need armour. So he got this amazing armour, right? It, was, it had gold um, decorations on it and the whole lot. like. And he was just looking the business, riding off into the Fourth Crusade. And while riding, he had this intervention, experiences intervention of God in his life. And God spoke to him and didn't tell him a whole lot, but just told him kind of what the next step is. And that's the way God often works. He just tells us what the next step is, as opposed to telling us, revealing the whole story. He just reveals the next step. And he just said to him, he just, Francesco knew in his heart, God had just said to him, return home. What, the way you're going is not the right way. Return home. Now, you could imagine Francesco turning around after one day's ride, all the men valiantly gone off to defend the Holy Land. Now he comes back after one day's ride. He comes back the following day, basically. You could imagine the talk in the parish, right? The talk in a small little town, like a CC. Hey, look, look, look at Francesco. Jenny, he wants to go to the Holy Land. He didn't make it out of the parish. <laughs> you know, like the, he would have been the absolute laughing stock. Okay, and, and an embarrassment to his family and all this, you know, regalia and, 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 and armour and the horse and the whole lot and all kind of for nothing. So now he's home and, sorry, God told him return home, but he didn't explain the whole story. So Francis is somewhat at a loss. What am I supposed to do? So I'm not supposed to go to battle. What am I supposed to do? And so he starts praying and starts praying a lot. And uh, he goes to the church uh, known as uh, San Damiano, which in English is actually St. Damien. Most people don't know when they see the cross of San Damiano. They think it's just a, it's a, it's a one big word. No, San, St. Damiano, Damien, St. Damien. He goes, so he goes to church St. Damien, and he f- feels the Lord, or hears the Lord speak to him, who tells him, rebuild my church. Rebuild my church. So Francis, typical Francis, kind of impetuous and all or nothing kind of guy, uh, decides to go to his father's store and sell some of his rolls of material at a knockdown price in order to raise a bit of money to pay for the restoration of the church of St. Damien, San Damiano. Uh, so his father hears about this and is absolutely furious, accuses his own son in public of stealing. So he brings him in public to the bishop, right? And says, this is my son and I want him to return the money that he stole from me and renounce all of his rights as an heir, for I am embarrassed by the sight of him. And the bishop says, well, okay, give the money back, because in fairness, that's kind of stolen. It was your father's material, it's not yours, so give the money back, <clears throat> which uh, Francis promptly did. But then he took one, one step further and somewhat, you know, 
removed his garments in order to say, I renounce also all of my inheritance. I embrace poverty. And it's, again, you see, like, there's no pansy eco-warrior thing going on here. Like, this is, his decision to follow the Lord was 100%. So, I renounce everything. And he went to the, to, to the forest to live there uh, as, as a beggar. So he would beg for food. Now, when you beg for food, you see, people give you the leftovers, especially if you look like a homeless person. You know, they're not going to give you, like, the best cuts of meat. You get the, the grizzle and the, and the chewed bits. That, you know, like, the, basically the dog bowl, right? That's what people would have had lying around the place. So you'd arrive on with your bowl and say, excuse me, uh, kind sirs, uh, would you have any leftover food? And they'd go to the slop bucket and, thank you so much. Like, you know, it's, it's not for the faint-hearted, really. You know, so it's like this is the kind of radical lifestyle that he lived. And he would pray and pray in the forest. And, and this lifestyle started to actually attract other men. So then guys started to join him and live in the camping, a big camping retreat, basically. Camping there in the forest and building their own little huts and uh, living from whatever they could forage or whatever they could find, and begging and praying on a daily basis and living strong fraternity. He was very, very uh, keen on, on uh, the, the, the necessity of, of, of strong fraternity amongst the brothers. And he said, this is our rule. It is as simple as it is seemingly impossible. Uh, which was to simply live completely from God's providence. So he took the, the story of the the uh, the rich young man, you know, go sell all that you have, own, all that you own, and come follow me. This is our rule. You know, to have have nothing, and just live the gospel. Just live the gospel, not again eco warrior stuff, but like live the God, live this radical call to service above everything, to to, to love of God above everything. <clears throat> so. He was a man of, of action and a man of great simplicity and, and humility. So much so that on one occasion, uh, one, of his, one of his brothers, his, his hood was stolen by someone. And Francis made him run after the thief and give him the rest of the tunic, because obviously he's cold. This kind of, so, like, kind of, this kind of this completely different way of looking at the world to, to, to us, who we think the more you have, the happier you are. But for Francis, Francis saw immense joy in poverty. Immense joy in poverty. Because he said, you cannot starve a man who's fasting. You cannot steal from a man who has nothing. When we have God, we have everything. And no one can take him from us. So we can be joyful. When we have the Lord, we have everything. And we lack nothing. We lack nothing else. So, <clears throat> this, is, this is the heart of Francis, this total surrender to God. At the end of his life then, he uh, got the stigmata, so the wounds of, of He asked for a share in the Lord's passion, and the Lord granted it to him. And so he suffered the, the stigmata at the end of his life, and also went blind. And there was a, an attempted surgery to save his eyes, which involved cauterizing around his face. Don't ask me what they were trying to do. But cauterizing means burning, basically. So, less than pleasant, and uh, 
but all things in this total surrender to God. Just before that, actually, before he received the stigmata and died, and, and he died, the Fifth Crusade, one of my favorite stories of St. Francis, the Fifth Crusade, he decided he would actually go to the Holy Land. But this time, instead of going fighting with the soldiers, he went as a Franciscan brother with a number of brothers. And <clears throat> this should never have been even possible but he decided that he would speak to the sultan, so the leader of the Muslims, and sue for peace. And so somehow this guy dressed as a beggar, no nobility, no horse, nothing to kind of make him look in any way important. This beggar manages to get an audience with the sultan and speak to him about our God and who our God is and what he asks us to live and why these places are important to us. And the sultan responded, I would convert to your religion, which is a very beautiful one, but both of us would be murdered. Both of us would be murdered. So, sorry. Uh, so he returned home. Francis came, came home. But just imagine the, the impact that that left on, on, on the Sultan, like to see such a, a humble, prayerful, simple man with incredible courage, total surrender to God. So, St. Francis died at the age of 45, which is very young, by the way, just so all of you know that. Right? It's really young died at 45 like and now there's such a, uh, an enormous Franciscan family throughout the world and so many cities in the states as well that owe, owe their names to the, um, Los Angeles, the Angels, San Diego Saint Diego it's not James is it uh, Santa Barbara all these cities San Francisco, Saint Francis uh, they're all, they were all Franciscan settlements uh, initially. So anyway, we owe so much to the, to the Franciscans. But this is all rooted in, in the faith and the total surrender of this man, St. Francis, who loved God more than anything, more than anything that the world had to offer and was willing to renounce it all just to have him. And so we pray for that same joy-filled, simple but courageous and powerful faith that in today's world that promises us so much, we might discover the, the real power, the true treasure, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen.